Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. Greetings, listeners. This is the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. We're delighted to have Charles Krause with us today. Partner is uh, Jim Sulfur from the University of Minnesota, and my name is Fred Hall. I'm from Iowa State University. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Well, welcome, Fred. I'm really excited about doing this today. I think Charles, I've known him for a long time, lives here in central Minnesota. So with that, we'll just get started. So Charles, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your operation, maybe where you're from, and a little bit about your farming operation? Sure, you bet. Thanks for having me today. So our, our dairy farm's located uh, just west of Buffalo, Minnesota, or uh, 44 miles west of downtown Minneapolis and south of St. Cloud. Farm with my son, Andrew. We have about 300 Holstein cows and we raise all of our young stocks. We have quite a few heifers. We have about 325 heifers and we grow, um, we grow all of our feed on a normal year. <laughs> we grow all our feed, uh, uh, corn and alfalfa that we feed to our cows this year. We had a pretty good drought so we had to buy quite a bit and we're scrambling to figure out different ways to feed our cows this year but um, normally we have enough land to, to grow the feed for our cows and been doing this since uh, my whole life I graduated from the University of Minnesota in 1991 and Andrew graduated and uh, oh good grief uh, about five years ago from the U of M also so um, got a lot of family history that goes back all the way to my grandfather at the University of Minnesota and uh, we like to do a lot of social outreach and social media and telling our story to people in the community about dairy farming and where their food comes from. So quite involved in different agriculture organizations as far as um, dairy promotion and, and then leadership roles in different co-ops too. Charles, you used the term normal year. Uh, <laughs> I'm not certain what that is anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there such a thing you know well we and where we we're at here we were in d3 d4 drought for quite a bit of uh august going into september and ironically now we've gotten quite a bit of rain in september after we chopped everything we planted for corn silage and um yeah yeah normally in, we get 27 28 inches of rain and this summer well all year but uh this summer we only got an inch and a half of rain from the end of may till the end of august so that doesn't do very well as far as growing any anything you want to get going so that's what we had here what, what we found is that it's in strips I mean, we had some of the best silage ever and you didn't have to go very far and there was five foot tall and about every other stock had an ear. So you're right. I think everybody's going to be in that boat. Uh, what kind of silage do we have and what do we use because we don't have enough? Yeah, exactly. So Charles, one of the reasons you're on here today is I just saw some press releases and things that you spoke recently at a United Nations Food Systems Summit. Do you want to go into little detail, details about what that is? what you talked about, maybe a little bit about what the other speakers talked about, but I, I, that sure piqued my interest that I've got a farmer in my backyard that's 
is speaking at a United Nations Food System Summit. We don't have that every day. I don't want people to think I'm doing more than I actually am. I was part of the United Nations Food System Summit, and it looked like the only ones that got to speak were the people that were the presidents of the 180-some countries that were in there. I was part of the, I'm part of a group called the Global Dairy Platform, and I'm one of five dairy farmers from the United States that are members of the GDP representing um, dairy farmers. And actually, Deb Vanderkoy from Minnesota is one of the other farmers from the United States. So we have one from California, Steve Maddox, Marilyn Hershey from Pennsylvania, and uh, Jennifer Hetzel from um, uh, Pennsylvania area as well. But we've been working for about a year and a half on the global dairy platform leading up to the United Nations Food Systems Summit because our goal is to have the farmer's voice, especially dairy farmers, but um, you know, also speaking up for all animal protein and, and showing the importance and the relevance of dairy in the world we live in. You know, in the United States, we, we kind of lead the way in sustainability in, in, in output per cow. And I saw through the many meetings I was involved in that we are the leaders here in the United States and the rest of the world is kind of following in, in our, um, our example that we're leading with our develop, uh, 2050 initiative to be net zero at 2050 and looking forward to the future. One of the things that COVID actually did was made being involved in this a little bit easier since everything was done on Zoom. Um, we didn't have to travel to New York City or to Rome or, or to different places. It was all Zoom meetings. And so that was made it easier for me to be a part of this. But we had several um, food system dialogues that led into this, especially earlier in the year, where people from all over the world would be online and we would uh, highlight the the ideas that dairy or other agriculture head to be part of a, of a solution. And the United Nations Food System Summit wanted uh, to have game changers introduced. And there was hundreds of them that were introduced over the time from every aspect of everything you could think of. It wasn't just agriculture, it's everyone in the world that, that was trying to get their input in. And um, a couple of the things that dairy specifically introduced was one of them was dairy nourishes Africa. If you look at the, the country, you know, the continent of Africa, that's where we're going to see the largest growth in population in the next 20 to 30 years. Africa is going to outpace uh, China in population. And one of the things we want to see is everyone in the world to have a healthy plane of nutrition and economic viability in their community. And we showed how dairy can do both of those things. Dairy can, um, first off, provide nutrition. It, it's good for your human body. Um, it's good for the planet because we, we know how we can reuse so many of the things. Cows can upcycle different feed products from all over the world uh, and, and then turn that into um, nutrient-dense milk. And then we have the, um, the waste stream from cows we can use for fertilizer. And so that can be good for the planet in recycling and, and um, building uh, an environmental ecosystem around that. And then the other thing that dairy can do is build an economy and build up families in that community. And if you can start to do infrastructure in developing nations and get a pipeline, um, you can really have an economic engine that can drive, um, drive a sustainable future for people. So... Uh, a lot of things that was one of the things that we introduced and then the other thing that came up 
over and over during the summit was um, school feeding programs all over the world. That was one of the recurring themes I heard from heads of states, the importance of having a school feeding system, because in a lot of cases, and even in the United States here, that's the one or two nutrient dense, nutritionally balanced meals that a child gets in its in its in its life in, in, in daily occurrence because some places they aren't getting that at home and so um, being part of a um, system that provides nutrition to children that way and um, that was introduced and and i heard that from different heads of states from all over the uh, the entire planet talking about that so uh, lots of different things going on there um, it, it actually, the, the summit occurred in, uh, on September 23rd, and um, I tried to log in all day, and it was 13 hours straight of people coming and having their declaration, and um, it was interesting to see that, you know, there are countries that are surrounded by water, island nations, and they have a different outlook on how they can be part of the sustainable food system. You know, they talk about um, using the ocean to feed people with fish, and, I, and you don't think of that being a farmer here in central Minnesota. Um, about oceans and how that's important. But over and over, I heard um, it was positive and reassuring to me to hear that um, animal protein and dairy, pro, uh, dairy food and dairy was um, not negatively looked on because we see that in our communities. We live here in the Midwest and across the country where we have forces coming in from animal activists and people say that plant-based nutrition is going to be better for the planet and better for people. But when you come down to it, there's nothing that beats animal protein as far as um, having a sustainable, nutrient-dense, continual supply of food for people that um, can be, that we know how to do on, on a very good scale, especially here in the United States. That's exciting, Charles. So from your perspective, that was going to be one of my questions was, sounds like it was pretty well received because as you mentioned, while we hear you know, and the, some of the things you kind of read out of Europe, there's some countries there that really want to eliminate animal agriculture, greatly decrease it, maybe not eliminate it, but really decrease it. And from your perspective, at least from what you heard at this UN summit, there won't be a big press release coming out from the UN, you know, goal to eliminate net zero, eliminate cows or eliminate animals from the world. Exactly. You know, um, we surprisingly as much money, as much time as we did spend leading up to the, the summit, we haven't had a wrap up or a follow up uh, get together meeting. And it's kind of funny when you have this meeting, we have people from every, practically every continent on the world on these Zoom calls I'm on. So and luckily they they schedule them for us uh, farmers in the United States. So we're in the middle of the day, but there's people in the middle of the night. They're on and from Africa. We have people from Australia, New Zealand and Mexico and all European countries and stuff, but we haven't had a follow-up meeting, but, um, everything I've seen on the, on the last hour, we had all kinds of groups trying to get their, their agenda in there. And we were quite worried that that would, we were kind of going to get hijacked at the end, but it seems like, uh, we we were able to have a positive message. This is just a start. You know, this is the first food system summit. It's not like, okay, we're done and now life goes on. It'll be a continually uh, global dairy platform. We'll be there um, working on this and continually trying to um, get our message across of sustainable economic development and, um, and human nutrition and good for the planet, you know, good for the people, good for the planet and good for the community. Uh, message because it's not going to end just because we put this much time and we have to keep up and, and keep that keep our voices heard 
And, and that's something that we fortunately know we need to do and we are doing. And, and it's not just a, an effort from the United States, it's dairy farmers from all over the world that realize the importance of telling our story and, and highlighting the great things we have already done and then the future plans that we do have to continually get more efficient and get, uh, have a lower carbon footprint than we already do now. I'm intrigued when you had mentioned the, the African connection there because they traditionally are subsistence farming uh, one or two cows and that leaves a huge carbon footprint. So in the discussion, was it to model the U.S. model and create that in Africa? Um, you know, dairy nourishes Africa. It's funny. There's so many acronyms. DNA. Then, like, we can't just say DNA. No one thinks that DNA is dairy nourishes Africa. But um, it, you know, obviously you have to start somewhere. And if you look back, that's how we started in the United States: one or two cows, one or two pigs, and small little farms. And I guess we, the thing we don't know is we have the technology, we have the genetics, and we have the ability to help assist uh, developing countries with a program where they can get, you know, get away from the subsistence farming and actually try to make a business out of it. And if you can just get the infrastructure started and, and it's, it's going to be baby steps, you know, it's just not going to happen overnight, but they want a game changing things to come forward. And this is one of the things we thought, you know, I always wanted to just raise my hand during these, these food system dialogue means like, Hey, we can provide all the food the world needs, but that's really not, you know, we can't in the United States, we can provide, you know, we could probably export 30% of our product if we wanted to, but that's still not going to feed nine to 10 billion people. And so we have to be part of a solution that helps develop dairy in other countries where it isn't. You know, the European Union can provide a lot of food that way, but it's, you know, it goes back to, you know, give a man a, a fish, feed him for one day, teach him how to fish. And it's the same thing. Um, if we can develop that, it, the world's better off with dairy in it and, and for an understanding that dairy can be good for all of them. I think that um, leading by example and being part of trying to help others instead of just trying to help yourself economically, I think you what you say uh, on a level like that carries more weight than saying, well, the only reason you're trying to do that is so you can get rich. You know, that's what people think of American farmers. And, and that's not what we're about. It's, we, we have a, a great history of value. If you look at the family farms across our country, um, we take what we do every day to heart and it's important for us to feed our people in our community and in the world. And so that's one of the reasons why they came up with that. And, and then also talking about the school feeding system that it's so important to make sure young people have a have their bellies full of good nutritious food so they can learn and become productive members of the society they live in. Yeah, it always seems puzzling to me, these people that are anti-dairy, you know, we try to take plants and make protein, or you see some of the anti-dairy people. And that's really what animals do. They take on unedible products and they make yep. them edible and something we like, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do and it. And dairy's a little bit unique in that it's, a, I mean, we all know that, right? Yeah. But it's, I think it gets frustrating for all of us in agriculture when you've got people out there really blasting what 
most doctors and nutritionists, unless they have an agenda, would argue is really a very nutritious food for people, especially in some of these developing countries. I mean, we're so fortunate to go to a grocery store and I can I just made that comment over the weekend. I said, you know, isn't it amazing? I can go to a grocery store in the U.S. and buy virtually anything, anytime from any country, anywhere and most, I think we've got to remember that most of the world is not in that situation. And so it sounds like this food summit was a little bit related to that as how did we develop a system, not that we expect people to do that around the world. What were some of the other commodities, Charles, that were kind of highlighted or kind of the theme other than dairy about how to make the food system more sustainable? You know, on, on some of the food system, you know, the summit itself, it was all these grandiose gestures that the you know the president or and it was funny i heard it, there was countries i'd never even knew existed when i was watching this i'm like really that's like i was i thought i was watching saturday night live or something and you'd see a guy with this banner <laughs> yeah. of the name of zamunda or something and i'm like really but but um you know they they come up with a, a thing but it was an underlying theme of developing economies helping uh having existing one of the nice things was Secretary Gutierrez of the United Nations emphasized the importance of tapping into existing businesses to help develop that and the importance of animal protein in it. We had um, in the dialogues, you, you, it, you know, um, I think dairy has a very, very unique story because cows can upcycle so many food products that can normally go to waste and we can take human food waste and feed it to a cow in a different manner and make food out of it but when you're when you're just selling corn or beans or bulk commodities you don't quite have that story but you know they too you know most of us that are dairy farmers grow beans and we grow corn and we grow all these other commodities too and talking about ethanol and renewable fuels and and how we're we're able to produce two to three times as much product you know, whatever, pick the commodity per acre than we were even 10 years ago due to genetics, due to um, precise application of fertilizers and things like that. So every agriculture group that was involved was was highlighting the good things we are doing. Um, if, if you think back to, you know, 30 years ago, it was it was wonderful if you get 100 bushel corn and now, you know, I get 100 bushel corn, I'm in a drought and something's gone horribly wrong. And and that's all due to us not depleting the soil, not being not good stewards. It's because we're being good stewards of the soil and we're doing things right. And we're using technology over and over. I heard uh, the use of technology is important. Um, the use of, of new genetics is important. And so embracing the science we have is something we need to continually talk about and how that makes, you know, there's a lot of people that don't want GMOs or they, they think it's bad, but if you can explain and have that conversation and, and a lot of people in high places don't understand the whole food system. And so it's important to have the conversation with people that are making some of these important decisions to explain and, and help them to understand how our food system actually works. And so that's, you know, that was one of the things get, start the conversation all around the world about um, the use and the proper use of the land we have and, and how we care for the animals and, and how we can be so efficient and, and good at what we do with this technology we have these days. Charles, so, you make me feel good that there's going to be hope here. I mean, <laughs> we don't often hear these things. And I'm glad 
to hear that countries all around the world are having these convocations because they really are important because our population of the world isn't getting any smaller and it it seems like a lot of people have agendas but they're not always agendas about feeding the world now what is the next step of this summit will there be one in 2022 or will there be something that leads to a, a next step yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I know it's just the start of continuing. This is the first one. Um, it wasn't like at the end, somebody came on and said, join us in September 2022. I don't know. Uh, but I'm sure there will be again. You know, it it was all virtual. So, you know, I think it would be a really fun opportunity when we do get back to some normalcy that uh, to travel to, you know, either New York or Rome at some of these meetings and, and be in person to to see the workings, um, you know, it was a lot easier to sit and watch it on my computer or have it on my phone to do it. But I think that there's a lot of things that get missed um, when you're not face to face and doing things, but it'll be a continual dialogue. We'll have food system dialogues along the way. And, and um, we have people working on the global dairy platform, Donald Moore, Robin Anderson, um, and, and other people that are doing a great job with their full-time job that um, are working for co-ops and, and dairy farmers across the United States and the world to, to keep that, that conversation going, keep, a, keep an eye on different activists and different um, initiatives that people are trying to bring forward that will... Um, try to do away with animal or production agriculture you know i don't i don't want everyone to think yeah the world solved because we 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 said what we're doing and everyone believed us it, that's not the way it is you're always going to have a, a strong vocal minority in, in the united states and around and around the world that are going to make a lot of noise and and sometimes two to three people percent of the people can make a lot of noise and make you think like the whole world is falling around you but um i do think through this that i i got the view that people really understand that uh, farmers around the world re really do know what they're doing. And if we're uh, allowed to responsibly continue what we're doing and make improvements, that that's the best way we can feed the feed a growing population all around the world. And, and they realize the importance, I hope eco economically, socially, and, and for the environment, how um, farming and, and dairy farm especially can, can be one of the solutions to that question. How are we going to feed ourselves? Jim, Charles, we heard some really uh, positive information in this podcast. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. This will, of course, be on our podcast system, the I-29 Moo University Dairy Podcast. Thank you for being part of it today. Thank you. I-29 MooU is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.